What's going on, everybody? This is Zach Wilson, and welcome back to another episode of the Major Keys Podcast. Just talking to keyboard players about life and music and everything in between. Today, we have my homie, Joshua Sutherland. What's going on, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm good, man. Can't complain. How goes How goes life? It's good, man. Uh, out here in LA, you know, great weather. Glad mm -hmm. to move from Boston. You know, it's snowing currently, so I'm really not upset. Not much to complain about when the sun's out, you know. Got you. So you don't you you don't miss none of the none of the cold, none of the whatever. You're good. I feel like I miss I miss the seasons. That's one thing that I will say. Like seeing the weather change, I feel like I have a sense of like time and like where I am in the year. Sometimes in LA because of sun comes out all the time just feels like every day is the same it's just a giant simulation at this point <laughs> that's great that's <laughs> interesting because like you know because i live in georgia and like i know the seasons and like they're in like the weather so it can't be super up in the air like depending on like you know but i'm like i've never had it just you know consistent so like i don't know that life but right right yeah like seeing the leaves change like you're like okay cool we're moving into fall like you see that it's raining out you see like flowers are coming up all right cool it's like springtime here it's just sun it's all just... yeah <laughs> all, it, i've all never heard anyone be mad about that no it's <laughs> not i'm not i'm not mad i'm just you know an east coast boy at heart so it is i got you got yeah. you that's interesting so yeah man just talking to keyboard players so um tell me about how you got started playing keys like from the beginning like up until kind of now like give me the the rundown yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. I I started in the church pretty much. The whole reason I started playing piano was because uh, I had an organist, Robert Johnson, who was the MD at the time. Okay. Uh, and he went to Berkeley. He was a film scoring major at Berkeley. So we have a Rogers organ at my church. And he played this one song, Anthem of Praise by Richard Smallwood. And I remember sitting in the congregation and hearing him play every single part. Honestly, if you haven't heard the song, you should check it out. It's like Richard Smallwood, you know, he's a great orchestrator, great composer. So everything in that song I heard come out of that one Rogers organ, every sound, every patch from that one Rogers organ from one person. And I like, I was blown away. Yeah. And I literally went home, told my parents, like, I need to play piano. They, Robert was the head of a music program at my church. So my dad asked him the next week, I was too young. So my parents got me a keyboard. I was like banging around, mm -hmm. um, ended up learning by ear, playing by ear. And it got to a point where I finally got older. I was able to enter the program and took piano lessons, started out being classically trained. Um, and yeah, I remember my first piano recital. I played The Entertainer by Scott Joplin. Oh, wow. And, okay. Yeah. 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 I remember playing that. I remember like the feeling too. So I, I played the intro. Everyone knows the intro yeah. to um, the entertainer. And before you get to the main theme of the song, like I took a pause, like, you know, dramatic pause. And then I started and everyone started clapping. The the so you, so you, you pulled out the theatrics. You pulled yeah, out. The yeah. I was ready for live performances before I knew what live performances were. It's crazy because, like, I see you as a ch because if I were to think anyone would do, it would be me because, like, I'm super like I like that's me as a person. But like knowing you, like I thought, like, nah, you're chill. Like I, I would think that that would be you, like as a as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it wasn't me either. But I think my piano teacher, Mr. Lewis, is like, you should pause here. Like, take a pause. Oh, okay, got you. Cause I was getting nervous. So I would end up rushing. So he's like, take a breath and then start. So I think that's what I was thinking at the time, but looking back on it, it was like, that was a dramatic pause. Like, you, <laughs> you knew what you were doing. It was like, Hey, yeah. Hey, Hey guys, take it in, take it. Right. In. So I started playing and uh, everyone started cheering. Like as soon as I started the main theme, like people started cheering, laughing, all that. And I remember that feeling I had and I was like, all right, this is something I have to do. Like I was meant to play piano. Um, and so I just kept playing, uh, kept studying classical music for like three years. And I moved into jazz mm -hmm. for about four or five years, went to fusion, uh, kind of studied everything. Um, 
went to, I was in Berkeley City Music, did the five-week program, which is where we met. Um, yeah. <laughs> sure we could talk about that. Yeah, uh, we talk about it. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, did five-week, then got the Berkeley City Music Scholarship uh, my senior year of high school and went to Berkeley, uh, yeah, on a full ride, studied electronic production and sound design, and I minored in Africana Ethnomusicology Studies. Uh, and so, yeah, did sound design, focus in post-production. I was doing a lot of scoring, like film scoring, um, a lot of keyboard programming, uh, a lot of like modular synthesizers. I was building modulars, um, just like kind of doing everything in the sound design space. Yeah, got you. Yeah. Oh, All right. So how, how old were you at the recital? Uh, I was at the first eight. one. I was eight. eight. Okay, got yeah. you. So what was the... Uh, so like that reaction was like, yo, I'm gonna do this for real because of like the the performing thing. So yeah. um, did you gig a lot like when you were younger, like like in high school, like maybe middle school? Did you do like like play around town uh, around town and like when did you start like actually playing at church and how do you think that helped you? Yeah, so I started playing in church freshman year of high school. I went to Boston Arts Academy, so in arts high school, mm -hmm. and uh, my the head of the music department realized like some of my friends and I um he was like you guys are ready to gig so freshman year he started taking us out doing like small little cocktail gigs learning like how to build a set list um learning like you know what songs work here when should we bring in a vocalist when should you know like a regular showcase as you know cocktail lounge musician mm -hmm. um and so we were playing jazz at that point just very like straight ahead um yeah learning how to back up vocalists. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually it got to a point where we were like, we were making money in high school gigging. Um, and like, we were able to go out on the road, you know, by ourselves. Uh, we were able to lock in a residency at Wally's for, you know, like for a couple months. Uh, yeah. And for like, people that don't know what Wally's is. Oh yeah. So yeah. Wally's is like the jazz club in Boston. Like, yeah. If you're ever in Boston, you got to stop at Wally's. It's a little hole in the wall. Literally everyone's been there. Um, and you don't know who's going to be there on whatever night. I remember I was there one night, just like chilling, you know, sitting in the back. Yeah. Robert Glasper walks in, you know, yeah. a couple minutes later, like Derek Hodge walks in. And I'm just like, all right, what's what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and like just legendary nights have happened at Wally's. Like goats have just appeared like seeing Corey Henry just walk in just like chilling you know everyone's at the bar having drinks and it's because we all know like this is where musicians gather yeah yeah that's crazy. so yeah, major that's Boston hotspot you gotta hit it up uh you gotta get a beer in order to sit down that's the only only fee a beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I yeah because I I went there um I went there at five week um and I you say Ali oh yeah yep. so he so he had a group Whatever group that they're in, he had a group that was playing, and it's like, hey, you gotta order a drink. So I ordered me a, you know, classic Shirley Temple, and I, <laughs> and I, and I sat and watched, and it was, um, so it was a fun time. That was the only time that I went while I was there, though. But it was, but they were, they were killing back then. You know, that was 2014. So, but yeah, man, that's what's up. So, um, so yeah, during school you're gigging, and so what made you, um, so tell us about the Berkeley City Music Program. Yeah, so Berkeley City Music is a nonprofit uh, that provides students an opportunity to study music for free with actual Berkeley professors. Uh, so I started in the Berkeley Preparatory Academy uh, in sixth grade, um, which is where I met, you know, some of my best friends now. Uh, literally, we're all still playing together. Some of them like live in LA. Uh, some of them have like moved out of Boston but we're all staying in contact and we all met in prep. And uh, so it's it's basically, you're a Berkeley student for the uh -huh. most, when you're in high school, Berkeley, um, the Berkeley High School Academy, you're a Berkeley student, you're taking classes in the Berkeley classrooms, um, you're taking private lessons with Berkeley professors in their classrooms, uh, you're taking ensembles with Berkeley professors, like mm -hmm. you're walking around the campus, like going to your different classes. Um, you're able to go to shows 
like at Berkeley, you're eating lunch in the calf if you want to. Oh, it's a whole it's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so honestly, I feel like I've been around Berkeley since I was in sixth grade. So by the time I got to Berkeley, I was like, all right, you know what? I need to need to find some other colleges, you know, start traveling, going to New York, that kind of stuff, playing with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Berkeley really city music basically gave me everything I needed to be successful at Berkeley. Like I, I tested into like higher classes, higher uh, levels because I was in city music when I got to Berkeley. Right. Got you. So you get to Berkeley and then you did, (laughs) you did the Spain thing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell tell people about the, the experience of going to uh, Valencia, I believe. Yeah, man. Honestly, that's like top three, like best decisions I've ever made in my life thus far. Um, like I, I kind of just did it off of a whim. I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it. I was just like, I came home one day. I was like, mom, dad, I, I think I want to go to Spain. My mom was like all for it. My dad was like, all right, how can we make this happen? Um, and so, you know, I had to show them that I really wanted to go, but they're all for traveling um and like seeing the world and you know thankfully I had this scholarship so it's like there it wasn't like my parents really had to come out of pocket for it oh Um, so you just basically just transfer like classes like that's the campus that you're going to go to yeah and for anyone who's listening to this who goes to Berkeley or who's considering going to Berkeley Mm -hmm. a semester abroad is actually cheaper than a semester in Boston Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it was crazy seeing like how cheap it was to study in Valencia. Like the classes are cheaper. It, it's it's because Berkeley really wants to build up that program. So mm. like things are cheaper over there. Um but yeah, I was in Spain for a semester uh from January to like the end of May is when I decided to leave. And yeah. I was able to play around Valencia being in Europe in general, just like the appreciation they have for music is Mm -hmm. great. Uh, Like you could play at a bar and everyone's going to listen to you. No one's on their phone. Like, oh wow, yeah, people are tapped in over there. Um, So I I remember I did a gig at the Hard Rock Cafe in, in, uh, where was that? I wanna say in Italy. I was playing with this artist and he had a, a showcase at the Hard Rock Cafe in uh, Italy. And man, everyone was listening. Like I played at the Hard Rock in Boston, um, the one in New York, like just different ones. And you know, people are talking, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, just. Yeah, no one's listening to the band. Nah, man, everyone was listening. I was like, all right, you know what? I need to start playing more over here. Um, so I was kind of just like traveling around. You know, it's cheap to travel in Europe. So my friends and I, we would try and book a gig somewhere uh, like in London. We were like, let's just, if we got the gig, cool. We're just going to buy a flight because it's like $50 round trip. Mm-hmm. So take our gear, everything, go to London, stay there for like four or five days, mm-hmm. and then come back to Valencia, go to class, um, you know, party, all that stuff in Spain and like getting away from home. Like it, it was great. Um, and just seeing the world, like seeing yeah. how people people operate like having a siestas in the middle of the day man like mm-hmm. america's doing it all wrong you know <laughs> i'm an advocate for a good nap bro i i'm i'm all for it i'm all for a good nap yeah i'd take a nap honestly i may take a nap after this like <laughs> and it's and and like the time that it is over there it's like by the time we're done here it's gonna be like 3 30 so yeah it's that's that's prime time yeah right right (laughs) but yeah bro that's 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 what's up bro that's what's up so um yeah so like you are a keyboard player but you dig super deep into like designing like sound design and so like a brief intro for the people that don't know what that is and how did you end up getting into it because like you're probably one of the most like deep the person that gets like the most deep into it. I mean, like, yeah, like some of us, like, yeah, we'll make a patch here and there, you know, call it a day. But like, you literally do that, and not just like key sounds. Like, you you'll do like the sound effects for like movies or like short films and that sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. So how I got into it was, uh, I was running MIDI a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I was playing a show. I had an op solo. 
run a MIDI out of Logic. That's problem number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, I'm playing my aux solo. Literally, in my head, I thought I was going off. I was like, this is Joshua, like, you're, you're killing this. Like, one of the best solos you could ever give on, this, on a board. Like, and my laptop crashed. And you know, oh. when Logic crashes, the, the note just holds. And I was like, oh no. Literally, at the peak of my solo, we were about to head back into like a high chorus, everything. I only had a couple bars. Do you remember like, what song this was? I don't remember what song it was. Okay. But man, I like the peak of the solo because I only had a couple bars to get it out. So I was like, all right, you know what? Like, we're going to rock, bro. <laughs> at the peak of the solo, right before we went into that high chorus, my uh, like logic crashed. And when logic crashes, the MIDI note just holds. Mm hmm. And, you know, sometimes you have to press, like, spacebar in order to run something. Like, man, I tried pressing spacebar. Nothing worked. I closed my laptop. Nothing worked. I ultimately had to pull out the MIDI cable out of my board mm -hmm. and, like, to finally get the sound to stop. And um, ever since then, I was like, you know what? I got to start creating my own patches. Like, I can't use MIDI anymore i mean obviously like logic played a role into it i use ableton now if i am running midi yeah. but i was like i'm only using hardware and if i want a sound i have to make it like if i'm hearing a sound in my head i'm gonna have to be the one to make it because i can't run midi anymore i can't trust it and so for years i was just like spending time creating my own patches i bought um the first synth board i bought was a rolling gaia like with my own money bought mm -hmm. the gaia and you know that's that's pretty that's all analog for the most part yeah uh, so i kind of had to teach myself synthesis at that point mm -hmm. and um just like creating a sound from like the very a very simple like sign you know like how do i create a patch from this um and yeah i started creating patches i really got into it and uh i got into kind of being addicted into like having patches no one else had, you know, like pulling up to a gig and no one else has a patch I have. I'm like, you know what? Okay, cool. Like, I like this. And then people ended up hitting me up like, hey man, can I get that patch? And I was like, oh shoot, like now I can make money from this. Yes. Like, I, I yeah. need I need the Modi X patch. Oh yeah. <laughs> I need you to like, I need to figure, we need to figure that out. Yeah, man, that Modi X, in my opinion, like that's one of the strongest boards I I feel like I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. uh, I had that board over the pandemic and I literally got into the nuts and bolts of that board. Like, yeah, I can send you some patches, man. Like, I love that board. I almost sold it. And uh, the guy sent it back and I was like, that's just a sign you aren't meant to get rid of this. Oh, yeah. Keep man. Keep that. Keep that. But, yeah. uh, yo, that's 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 crazy. Uh, do you remember? what sound you were trying to use. So it was like a lead sort of sound that like, yeah. was it a logic, was it a logic sound or was it a, like an Omnisphere or like a, or like a, um, something like that? No, I didn't have Omnisphere at that point. I think it was just like a logic sound that I found. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, this is a, a cool lead sound. Like mm -hmm. I, let me use this for the solo. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was like, it was almost like a hard saw lead, like yeah. something that really stood out. But when that note stuck out, like it stuck out, you know? Stuck, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So like that, I don't, I don't usually do logic and stuff on, on gigs, but like you just confirm like why I'm afraid to, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of like, that's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid, especially like if I'm running of like running tracks, like running stems, that is a a fear of mine is like in the middle of the song, like it crashes. Yeah. That is that that's like a is a big fear. So like I don't do a lot of gigs like where I have to like run stems and like the, that sort of stuff. But like that is like uh what if something happens? Like what if something like that happens? That's that's a, a big fear. Yeah, that fear of mine just like haunts me. I still hear that solo in my head, man. <laughs> It really haunts me now. I run if I am running MIDI because you know some shows they're like, "Hey, can you use this like 
this patch. Like if I can't upload it into my board or something, I'll just run it MIDI, but I'll run it out of Ableton. Ableton hasn't failed me yet. Yeah. Um, Do you just get Ableton, flashbacks? Huh? You begin getting flashbacks? <laughs> <laughs> Man, like if Ableton crashes, it's your laptop. It's not Ableton. Right. And I'll like, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> um, and I've run like, I did a live recording for uh, Anthony Brown, um, a great record. It's, mm -hmm. uh, I want to say it's called After This or Alter, one of those, but definitely check out the record. You played uh, on it? Yeah, I played Ox on it. Oh, dope. Yeah. Um, let me see. I can tell you the name. Yeah, it's called Alter, The Live Experience by okay. Anthony Brown. Yeah, great worship album. Um and I was running Ableton out of my laptop. I was running Omnisphere, um, a bunch of like <clears throat> different patches, different plucks that I had. But then I also had a lot of hardware on the board mm -hmm. um, or like, you know, on my rig, just in case something happened, just like as a backup. I wasn't running only MIDI. I can't personally, I can't do that. I know some keys players that only run MIDI for like four different boards. That's that sounds you know, like... I, I'm nah, I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I need hardware. I also like again, I have my patches, so it's like I don't want to run all MIDI. Um, but yeah, I had man, I had two Phantom G's, uh mm -hmm. two Phantom G sixes, uh, my Modex, my Arturia Mark II, which was my MIDI board. Mm -hmm. Um my Gaia and my little Akai MPK that I was using to trigger different sounds. Is there video of this? And how did you get into, and how did you get that gig? <laughs> uh, he did release, like, he did release some videos of the, the recording. Yeah. Um, I think it's all on YouTube. Um, but I got it. So he's out of Jubilee. I was playing at Jubilee Christian Church before I moved okay. out to LA. And okay. so Anthony's the worship leader at Jubilee. Worship leader, songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, Jubilee has cut some great records over the last couple of years. Um, I've been like blessed to play on some of them. You know, I've been blessed to see them shoot the videos, like see them record some of the stuff before I was playing for them. Mm -hmm. um, like seeing the whole post-production process, all of that. Um, and uh yeah I, anthony asked me one day like hey man like cutting this record i got a call from uh, byron pickett who's a killing keys player yeah out in, uh, houston now um he's the one who taught me a lot about ableton and running tracks and everything mm -hmm. uh but yeah they were like this is the record they sent the songs they're like you know you have you know creative freedom in terms of like the sounds and the patches as long as you're playing the part okay um, yeah you know, like obviously the the lead parts that are there, you know, you have to play them, but they kind of gave me creative freedom. So Leonard Ray is like a huge inspiration for I me. I know who he, I know who he, he plays with. Uh, Tori Kelly, right? Yeah. He played with yeah. Tori Kelly, and who else? Who else? I know, I know. Israel. So, I think. Yeah, he's Israel, played with yeah. Israel. Israel Houghton. Yeah. Yep, and then he also played with uh, William McDowell. Okay. On his uh. What's the name of this record? Uh, the Cry record. If you want to hear some ox playing, if you want to learn how to fill up the space as an ox player, I think there were like three other keys players on that gig. Whew. And Leonard came in and he's like, all right, I see that there's there is an organist with like a phantom on top of his organ. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a main keys player who had like three boards with him. And so Leonard was like, hey, so they're taking up a bunch of space. Like, where can I, like, where do I fit in? Right. And uh, he kind of broke it down. He was talking about it in like a workshop he did about how he was able to find the mm -hmm. emptiness and fill it up yeah. while still making sure that he kept like the essence of the song and he was still moving with the spirit. And like hearing that and hearing how he broke it down about like being an ox player and being aware of the atmosphere mm -hmm. that you're setting, because, you know, you're the one who's running all the drones if they aren't in the tracks. So you're the one who's adding a lot of the movement, even though you have these like rhythm guitars, you have the keys player who's 
you know, plucking. So it's like finding your space and being okay with what you're playing and also like worshiping in that space and being aware of like what you're playing. That's, that's interesting. Cause I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm trying to think of how many keyboard players I've played with, like at the most, I, it is cool to have like maybe one other person, maybe like one other, just so like, Hey, I don't have to do everything. Yeah. But like, I feel like playing with like more than one, it just like, in, in my opinion, it would get like, to be just like a lot you de definitely have to find your voice like what do you prefer like is it like when there are more people oh i don't have to do as much or is it like ah dang i don't get to do as much because there are so many people like right. so what is your opinion on playing like with the multiple board or just like multiple elements in music in general you know yeah i think at most i've played with two other keys players and i was playing ox and then another point I was playing with two other keys players and I was playing mains. And so in general, when I play mains, I'm not as a keys player in general, I feel like I'm not a big runner. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just playing pocket and yeah. I like allowing like the music to speak and like providing like a good base for everyone else to kind of flow off of and understanding, you know, like who I'm playing with if, I know the guitarists, like usually the guitarists I play with are the ones who are, you know, taking all the spots and whatnot. So yeah. it's like, cool, I don't need to do that. If I'm playing with more of like a guitarist who's kind of just like padding and letting things ring out. Like I'll take up some more space, but ultimately as a keys player, for me at least, I'm not the one, I'm not a keys player who's just going to like, you know, play all these crazy lines throughout yeah. the entire song, you know, yeah. like even on Ox, I'll, I'll definitely take up some space. Uh, but ultimately, I'm just adding elements to the song. And mm -hmm. I think that's what it's like whenever I'm playing with like a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of horn players, like two mm -hmm. guitars, bass player, drummer, percussionist, like, I'm just kind of adding elements on top of what's going on and like finding my space and where I can fit in that way. I'm not taking away from the music. Because I feel like if I'm taking away from the music, then I shouldn't be playing at all. Exactly. You know? Like, like, what's the point, you know? Right. If I'm overplaying the singer, like, first of all, I'm probably not going to get a callback. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and then second of all, it's like, that's not your job as a keys player. Like, as keys players, you know, like, our main job is usually to back up a vocalist. Yeah. It's like, hey, you play keys? Cool. I, I'm a singer. I was wondering if you could play for me. That's usually how we get a lot of our gigs. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Like, hey, someone will walk up to you. Hey, I wrote a song. I was wondering if you can play it so I can hear what it sounds like. Literally, like, that's how we get a lot of our jobs. Um, and so, yeah, just like working and like figuring out what my sound is and mm -hmm. then seeing where I fit within the band and like adding my sound and the different elements that I bring to the song. Got you, bro. Got you. Do you remember the first uh concert that you might have went to or gone to first yeah. concert yeah yeah man you said the first concert right first concert all right first concert so back to city music right mm -hmm. they gave us a berkeley id so mm -hmm. it looked like we were berkeley students which meant we got discounts yeah. for the concerts in boston that berkeley uh berkeley students got discounts for yeah so Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea were on their uh, grand, their like acoustic piano Bro. tour. Yeah, their like duet tour. And honestly, I might have gone to concerts before then, but they this is the one. This That's yeah, the one. this is the one I remember as my first concert. Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea at Symphony Hall in Boston. They had two grand pianos on the stage, and then uh, they both had chronos next to them uh, and then at the very end of the show and they were playing the entire time like they were, they might have talked maybe like three times in total for like an hour and a half concert Man. but they were playing the entire time they literally played everything and it's just duo like they don't they don't yeah. have their bands they don't have no, their bands. No, no, no just two pianos that's it two pianos two keyboards and then at the very end of the show, they both brought out their keytars. 
And again, there was there were no drummers. No, no drummers, no bit. No drummers. So and he it, played. Are you telling me that he played Chameleon with no? Yeah. No drums. Yeah. No wow. drums. And I I tell you this, man. No lie, I actually didn't miss the drums. Like they're both so rhythmic as players. Like you didn't need any drums. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So I was like. I was blown away, man. That was the very first concert where in my head, I was like, yeah, they're, I already knew they were goats. Like of course, Herbie, but that just Herbie's my guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, quick story. We were in high school and Herbie was doing a lecture series at Harvard. Okay. So went to my friends and I was like, yo, Herbie's doing a lecture series at Harvard. We have to go. Mm-hmm. Only thing is we had class during that period. So yeah, I was like, bro, bro, you know what? We told our teacher, like, Herbie's in town. He's doing a lecture series. If you want, we can write a paper on it. But regardless mm-hmm. of if you say yes or no, we're going. I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I'm out. I'm not saying. And honestly, it's like, the fact that we even told him, you know, that's kind of nice of us. A lot of students would just dip, but yeah. we, we respected him. So, you know, we, we let him know. And he's like, guys, of course, like, feel free to go. So sat in the audience, heard Herbie talk about, I think that first lecture, he was talking about him playing with Miles. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had read Herbie's biography, read Herbie's autobiography. Right, it it is convenient place to make it look like I know, like I'm well-versed, but like, no, I have, I have read it. It's great. Yeah. 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 That's, that's one of my favorite biographies ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, yeah, I went to the bathroom as he was ending, and I saw that the green room was right there. Like, the bathroom was to the left, the green room was to the right. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. So I, think going. Yeah. I went upstairs, and I told my friends, like, yo, I know where his green room is. And they're like, what, what? So before he ended, I was like, guys, we should go. Like, let's go to the bathroom, you know? Right. Everyone who's listening, we just put up air quotes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Air <laughs> quotes, air quotes. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we went to the bathroom and we were kind of just waiting around. Then, like five minutes later, Hurry comes downstairs, and we're like talking to him. This was the first night, so we're just like we're talking to him. He he like it's like it's great to meet you guys. Um, second night we show up, we did the same thing. He's like, oh look who it is. Like, he's like, hey guys, how are you? He invited us in his green room, like just hanging out third night, same thing. We missed the fourth night. I think we went the fifth and sixth night. Every night we were there. Some nights I was there so by myself. You're telling me he did a week long thing of. Yeah, it was oh. a seven. It was like over two weeks, but it was a seven lecture series. Wow. Now yeah. That, oh man, I would, I pay good money for that. Yeah. And he's a great speaker too. Like, Mm-hmm. extremely eloquent um he spoke about playing with miles uh his journey in uh being a buddhist mm-hmm. uh spoke about you know like his career and yeah. you know his ups and downs he spoke about like where he drew his inf- inspiration from mm-hmm. uh, and then the seventh night he was like man i wish i could have you guys in here but like dj Ayer was there like a, a bunch of like other cats were there so you're like, all right, it's fine. But he's like, it's great to see you all like continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. That's all I needed to get hear. enabled being able to sneak and hang out with Herbie, not one night, but like four nights and four or five nights in a week is is way more than what other people have been able to do. Like right. That's a, that's that's a story, bro. That's that's a story. But uh that's that, that's dope. That's dope. I don't even know where this <laughs> so you saw her yeah yeah, yeah. herbie and Ch- but bro that's that that's a that's a crazy story but no i i've gotten to see herbie live twice i saw him in 2017 at the atlanta symphony hall and that was him terrace martin um and then the other music i he plays on saturday night live bass player who plays on saturday night live um, but, um i don't know if you're talking about him but no i've 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 seen herbie twice and like i saw him just in may at the atlanta jazz festival and just oh, okay. time, it's like it, it, i'm I'm just like you know just 
just like in there. Like I don't have a lot of video from it because I'm just like trying to pay attention. Yeah. Know, I'm trying like not to like miss anything. I do yeah, wonder like how much of his show is like rehearsed or like how I want like or how much he goes to the left. I do wonder that. But yeah, I saw him in uh, November out mm -hmm. here at the Hollywood Bowl. And I you think went to the, with the free nationals opening up. Yeah, with the free nationals opening. Man, I walk in. Those are the times that I that I want to live in LA. Hey, man, come out here. You know, I man, I walk up and uh, Corey Henry's just like chilling at the front eating popcorn, and I'm just like, okay, this is the type of night. It is. Did you talk to Corey? No, nah, I didn't. You, talk just, to Corey. you just let it go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Herbie came out. I think he's like. I don't want to overage Herbie, but I he's in his 80s, like 86, 87. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there. Yeah. And when I tell you he's still playing, like, as, Herbie, like as he was 17. Like he, like, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, he hasn't I, lost. He hasn't lost anything at all. Yeah. Nothing. 82. At all. He's 82. Okay. 82. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. So just hearing him play, I'm like, man, like, I would love to be able to play like that when I'm 82. Like, and mm -hmm. he has so much energy on the stage. Like, yeah. I just heard a video earlier this morning of Ron Carter playing. He's 86. Mm -hmm. He was playing at the Blue Note. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like these guys, like, first they aren't aging. You know, black don't crack unless you, smoke <laughs> unless you do it. Yeah, unless you smoke it. So <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, yeah, like they. I mean, don't get me wrong, like Herbie in his book, I'm not going to give it away, but he talked about like how he did drugs and he basically yes. ended up flatlining and then uh, came back and realized, you know what, I never want to do this again. Oh, yeah. He had to be like, bro, that's I, I got to be done with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, he, he came to his senses. But then, yeah, like Ron Carter, you know, like they're all I saw Wayne Shorter speaking the other day, like online. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, these guys like they're still around we really need to cherish them like we can't take advantage of them that's Gotta why i went to that show and it was like on a saturday night bro there'd be saturdays and i'm like i wish people would hit me up because like i'm not doing anything that saturday i got like four separate people like hitting me up and i'm like bro i can't i was like i i i, I can't miss this yeah that herbie show i saw in november told everyone at work like i'm leaving early like this guy yeah. takes priority over anything oh, i have to do at work yeah <laughs> yeah so let's so let's transition into that so your job being a music supervisor at a at a small local network called hbo <laughs> but so like what is that what does that entail and just uh, uh just give a brief like description of like that and maybe like yeah. some of the challenges that you've had to face like doing that job yeah yeah so uh so i'm a music coordinator working in music supervision um, so basically as a music coordinator, long story short, well, music supervision in general is picking and placing music for TV shows and film. That's like the overarching theme of music supervision, um, film, television, video games, um, advertising, that kind of stuff. Specifically for me though, I focus in television and film, um, and, and then what movies or films have you worked on? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I've been working for HBO for about a year and a half now. I've worked on Euphoria season two. Mm -hmm. uh, I've worked on Rap Shit. Um, I've worked on The Idol, which will be coming out later on this year. Uh, Winning Time season two, which will be coming out later this year. And uh, yeah, out of HBO, I feel like that's that maybe okay. probably forgetting one. But I just wanted you to name drop you for it. I, I wanted because <laughs> I, I I know I like you told me, but I was like like oh no, he's not just there like at the shows that are on the bottom of the like you know <laughs> like Euphoria and Issa Rae like you know so yeah, yeah. man um, yeah like I'm thankful to God man honestly like I kind of fell into this position uh during the pandemic i was looking for work it was like you know what let me let me apply for this sync internship uh with united masters and i looked at some of their partners and they partner with like espn the nba uh beats by dre like twitch a bunch of partners and i was like man i like 
if I can place music and listen to music all day, like I do that anyway. So let me get paid for it pretty much. Right. And uh, one morning, you know, I wake up and I usually turn on ESPN, NBA, and uh, I saw a commercial and like the song that I, I picked earlier that week was on that commercial. I was like, oh, wow. And honestly, bringing it all back, I got that same feeling I got when I was eight years old. Yeah. Like, feeling like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, you know what? I have to do this. I have to figure out who's doing this for like TV, who's doing this for films. HBO, my my opinion, has always put out top quality work like my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Let me just reach for the stars. You know, let me let me go for HBO. I was cold calling people, emailing people, um, got in contact with someone who got in contact with someone who got in contact with someone pretty much. Yeah. And uh, I just kept working every angle I got. If I saw a window, I'm like, shit, I'm going to jump through that window. If I see a door, I'm like, I'm going to freaking break this door down. That way I can yeah. get in, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I started working for HBO. They hired me. They told me I had like a year and a half to move out there. Um, or not a year and a half. I'm sorry. They told me I had a month to move out there. Okay, yeah. Uh, from Boston to LA. They were like, you know, pick up like clean up whatever projects you have. I had just started working on that project with Anthony. Um, okay. And so I was like, I need to figure out how I can make this work. Uh, but moved out here and honestly, like I love music supervision. I love mm-hmm. that more people are starting to get into it. Um, if anyone's interested in getting into music supervision, definitely let me know, like seeing music and being on the ground, literally listening to music all day, like figuring out like, you know what, this is a cool artist. Let me pitch this artist to the music supervisor on the show. Yeah. And, you know, get this artist some looks. Um, and kind of like being on the ground, music supervision mm-hmm. is the bridge between the film industry and the music industry. So yeah. I'm working with the music industry, looking at like artists that we can pitch, talking to labels working out deals, um, some composer deals, like looking at that, working on that. And um, then eventually like working with the film side and the TV side, working with directors, making sure the director and showrunners have their like their ideas and like dreams fulfilled in terms of what their vision is for their show. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just like being able to do that, it's like, cool i have no problem you know pitching some of my friends at that point like we need songwriters for the shows cool i have you know some peers um you know you want a composer who won't do it for like you know ten thousand dollars an episode like i know people who can do it for less um and so you know just like working there definitely getting more work um i'm able to do freelance work which is great um and like working with other clients, just working in LA and Hollywood, essentially, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it does have its battles. It does have its stressors, you know, um, there aren't many of us in music supervision. There aren't many people of color in music supervision. So mm-hmm. um, just like working through that struggle. Um, but, you know, every day is a success, honestly, like my friends and I, we talk about it all the time, like being black in Hollywood, you know, like, mm-hmm our faces being shown are the ones that, you know, like it, it really does make a difference for the next generation. And so, um, you know, just making, making our voices heard, making our faces, you know, seeing that kind of stuff, it goes a long way. Man, I dig it, bro. I dig. Usually, usually right here, I ask like, what was the worst thing that happened on a gig? But you already, you already, <laughs> you already told us. So I so like for you I I'll switch it. What was the uh what's what's the best gig that you what's the best gig that you've had? Man. Best gig that I've had. Uh man, that's a tough question. Um Okay, yeah, best gig that I had was senior year of high school this probably may not have been the best but this is the one that's you know showing up in my head okay Uh, senior year of high school my friends and I entered a competition to play at symphony hall 
Okay. And uh, we were able to play. We won the competition. It was against everyone in New England, I want to say, not just Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you won the competition, you'd be able to play with the Boston Pops. And okay. so we entered as a quintet. And I think our name was like Quintessential or something like that at the time. It's that's a name. Yeah. Name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we entered the competition, ended up winning, and um, we were we were given a um, a mentor, and our mentor was Ralph Peterson. Okay. Uh, yeah, like jazz extraordinaire, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah we ended up playing we played like a medley of songs uh but it was in front of like two thousand people uh mm-hmm. boston pops were behind us like playing symphony hall we all had like real nice suits or maybe we had tuxes um mm-hmm. and like just looking out and seeing the crowd that was most people i had played in front of at that time yeah um and like being able to play jazz it felt like for a second like you know, I, I felt like a jazz great at the time, like all yeah. these people looking at me and I'm playing at Symphony Hall where, you know, some of the greats have played. Um, and, you know, I remember seeing Herbie and uh, Chick on that same stage. Oh, so it was like a full circle sort of. Yeah, situation. yeah, full yeah. circle, man. Um, yeah, I think at the time that was probably one of my, or right now that's one of my favorite memories of like, one of my favorite gigs, one of my favorite shows. Again, I played with some of my boys that I had known since like sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So it's like, look, here we are, you know, a few years later playing at Symphony Hall, um, just like some kids from Boston, you know, some like I'm from Randolph, like friends from like Mattapan, friends from like Dorchester, like, you know, everywhere from Boston. and uh yeah it's like look at us we're playing at like symphony hall now with the boston pops so yeah full that's circle. crazy yeah man that's great it is interesting though like how sometimes like we have those gigs and it's just like ah you're on top of the world probably in like or like you have the gigs that like oh man i got paid so much money like that sort of deal and then you have the gigs like my stuff is messing up and now, right. I, now I look like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Probably won't get a call back. Yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> did they did they call you back or like was that a group that you had played with before? Uh if we did so we actually played twice. We won the competition twice. Yeah. Uh so I think we wanted our sophomore year and then our senior year. That's crazy. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. bro. Top three top three keyboard pl- i feel like i know your top three national keyboard players like top three uh keyboard players that are like national and then like top three keyboard players that you know oh okay yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh top three the first one top three like nationally globally known yeah um oh uh herbie of course Greg Filling Gaines. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, and Jetro Da Silva. He played for- Oh, I, were we in that class together? Maybe. Is Jetro net? Well, I mean, if you want to consider him national, then go ahead. But for context, for people that oh, may not know okay. that name. Another big one. Uh, I, that, that's what I was thinking. But if you want to put him on that, if you want to put him on that level, then go ahead. But I was thinking like bigger. But for context, Jetro De Silva, he played keys for Whitney Houston, yeah. and um, but he teaches or he taught at Berkeley, and yeah. he he I had a I had a class with him. Yeah, and he was yeah he was great. He was great. Yeah, he taught me like every note holds meaning. You know, like you can play as fast as you want, but every note has a meaning. And he's like, you can play the same note over and over again, and it could have a different meaning depending on where you play it, how you play it, when you decide to play it. And mm-hmm. he kind of just like changed the the way I hear music, the way I hear piano. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that that's my top three right there. That's your top three national, top three yeah, national. Top three national. Okay, so yeah, I've heard people in like Brazil, like. You know, I love on Jetro. I've heard people in Europe like love on Jetro. Oh so. wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so top three keyboard players you know. Top three I know. 
Um, I feel like Jetro should go in the top three, you know, because you know him, though. Okay. We're going to move that to, we're going to move Jetro to the top three that you know. Okay. Because you know him, but. That's fair. And then, so give me another one for top three, like, national that, like, you meant. I mean, like, I guess you know Herbie, like, y'all are cool, but, like, you know. I can't so just Herbie. Like Her- Herbie up, you know. <laughs> so Herbie, Greg, filling games, and who else? Um, I'll put Corey up there, Corey Henry. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, top three that I know. Besides Jetro De Silva, yeah, so you got two more. Yeah. Two more. Um, ooh. Uh, I'll say uh, Daniel Abraham. Okay. Yeah, uh, keys player out of Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh. And Isaiah Thompson. Isaiah, ooh, bro. And he just put out something new recently. Well, at the time of this filming, it, it it's new. But now Isaiah Thompson is, I haven't really spoken to him since uh, Berkeley. I mean, like, we've kept up with each other, but I haven't, like, spoken to him for real, for real. But yeah, if you want to talk about someone who's good at jazz piano. Yeah. Someone who knows how to play piano, like someone who, yes, yeah, he's he's someone who's continuing the tradition of like what a jazz pianist does, but also still progressing. Yes, yeah, that no, nah, that 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 cat's cold. He was cold when I met him. Yeah, he was. He he's always he's always been cold, but it's just like yeah. he's always, always he's just gone. He's just gone up. Yeah, he's always been down to earth. We'll like tap in like every couple of years. Like it's always good vibes whenever I talk to him. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as you know, like commenting on someone's story, that kind of stuff. Like goes oh, yeah. a long way. Like social media really does help with things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like staying in contact with people. Like we'll comment on each other's story. Like exactly, it we have to get on the phone and talk for you know hours at a time. You know. Yeah, bro. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'll, I'll put those two up there right now that I feel like that changes all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, that's a good one. Okay. Um, few, a few more questions for you. Super group, unlimited budget. Everybody's available. Who are you, who, who are you, how are you going to build your super group? You've got a keys player, guitar, bass, drums. You can do horns if you want to, they, they're not necessary. But like core, like four piece, and then a vocalist. Whoa! And this is like for a show. This could be like for for a private event. But you have all the budget, unlimited availability. Like every everyone's available on this day that you need them. Okay. Uh. Adam Blackstone on bass. Someone else said Adam Blackstone. I like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll put Greg Gaines on keys. Okay. Um. Hmm. Who do I want on drums? It's like who's gonna lock on drums? Mm-hmm. Uh. Man. Who would I get on drums? Honestly, to switch it up. I would put Anderson Pack on drums. Anderson Pack on drums. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So what? Keys. We have bass, keys, drums. Uh, lead guitar. Lead guitar. Uh. Or or rhythm. What whatever. But guitar. Yeah. Man, man, I wish I had thought about this before. Man, you're on the spot, bro. You're on the spot. I know. Uh, guitar. If you Honestly, don't have a guitar player, but you have some horn players, you can switch that out if you if you want to. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Can I build a horn section? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Horns. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll build a horn section. Uh, I'd get Keon Harold. Um. I'd get uh, Terrence Blanchard and uh, I played with Herbie when I saw him. Terrence Blanchard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Um, and let me see. On in that section, I I'll just throw like Christian Scott in there too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah three horns. Um, and then a vocalist to yeah. sing with them. To sing, necessarily have to be sing. Could be a rapper. Could be You're a rapper, right, but a yeah. but a but a vocalist. Yeah, that you know I think would work well with all of them. One, I'd want to hear Layla Hathaway sing with all of them. Um, and then in terms of like arrangements and everything, uh, or like who would sing, have like dope arrangements. Uh, I feel like I'd want to hear like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'll, I may stop at Layla just because I feel like that'd be killing. That's fine. That's fine. That's a great group. Yeah. Um, I'll probably like think about it later and be like, damn, I should have said <laughs> yeah. this person. But uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like I'll stick with that. I feel like that'd be a, a solid show. That's a solid show. Someone else said Layla as uh, lead vocals too. But someone yeah. said Anderson Pack as lead vocals. Xavier oh, Davis, okay. the first episode, he said, put Anderson Pack on vocals. And I was Ooh. like, that was an interesting choice. Oh yeah, Gosh. that that could work. I'm down I'm, with I'm, I'm down was, with all of it. If he were still alive, I'd put Michael up oh, there. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I'd probably even put Stevie as lead vocals. Yeah, lead vocals like second keys. Yeah, actually, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sub out Layla. You know, and, uh, we'll have them both. We'll have them both. They're both yeah, available. Yeah, you're so right. we can, we yeah. can grab them both. That's a good yeah, show. That's a good show. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yep. Gotcha. All right, bro. Last thing. What do you want to leave the people with? It could be like words of motivation, wisdom, an anecdote of sorts. I, but, you know. Uh, let's see. I feel like just like keep going. You know, I feel like a lot of people in this industry just end up, you know, like, not like losing faith losing hope in themselves mm -hmm. i think the industry really is like a marathon not a sprint you know mm -hmm. you go on social media you realize you know people are doing all these different things making it look great and they make it seem like it all happened overnight i don't think that's the case at all mm -hmm. um i think you know it's just about like taking your time and understanding and enjoying the journey like yeah. If you come out the other side and you didn't learn anything, then you didn't actually go through any of the fire, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I was unemployed for like years, just like, you know, the pandemic and like other stuff, trying to figure out life, just working and picking up gigs here and there. But I was like, I was going through it and I, I was ready to be like, you know what, let me just stop playing music. Like, mm. let me not get into anything like you know, I'll just play and maybe I'll, I'll do something else that my heart's not really into. And then, you know, I kept pushing, kept trying to find answers and I landed on like music supervision. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's what moved me out to LA. That's what's gotten me all these, like all these different shows and all that stuff. And it's because I kept going. So, um, yeah, I feel like just, you know, keep going. Like it, it's going to pay off in the long run, you know? Yeah. I like that, man. I like that. So um, give the people your socials. Yeah, uh, so you can follow me anywhere. You can really just look up my name under Joshua Sutherland. Um, and then my Instagram is underscore blacklight, and that's spelled underscore B-L-A-C-K-1-I-G-H-T. Um, so you can look that up. I, you know, I'm going to start posting more videos, more music this year. I mm -hmm. uh, got some stuff in store that I've been recording. So Ooh, I was going to ask you, I was like, bro, can we get it? I was like, I should have asked you that earlier. Can we get a Joshua Sutherland album or EP yeah. or project? <laughs> uh, I feel like I'll probably start working on, you know, like an EP this year. I'm, I'm still like developing my sound and what I want it to, you know, like yeah. sound. Like. But definitely have like an acoustic piano record that I want to drop within the next couple of years. Um, next like two to three years. Uh, and then just like, you know, a small little project picked up talk box again, uh, mm -hmm. working on like a bunch of other sounds that I have. So 
it's like you know it's time to start time to start playing again uh, music yeah. supervision is cool but you don't get that or there, there's something special about playing you know absolutely yeah yeah got you appreciate y'all thank y'all for listening to this episode of the major keys podcast keep pressing on we'll see you next time